everyone. Welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is April 20, 2022, episode 117. My name is Sarah, and I'm here with Tyler. How are you, Tyler? Pretty good, thanks. We're recording a little earlier than usual tonight, but I figured, you know, we just had a nice dinner. I might as well do this on a full stomach before I get sleepy. Yeah, because caffeine. that happens earlier and earlier every year. Uh-huh. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Old man Tyler. Rude. Uh, what have you been up to? I know everything you do nowadays, you require a triple shot beforehand. Well, not everything. <laughs> you know, well, in terms of video games, it's the usual. It's it's mostly MLB The Show 22 with some Fortnite sprinkled in with you guys. Mm-hmm. I haven't touched, haven't touched Apex for a couple of weeks. Uh, Good. How about you? What have you been playing? Other than Fortnite? Yeah. Nada, right? Going to bed bed early every night. Okay, I go to bed early to watch baseball. So, I don't think I'm totally wasting my time. (laughs) No, no, I I never said you're wasting your time. I'm just saying you're not playing games. No, I'm too busy to play games to... And I would like to watch the Angels. Mm -hmm. Right, I think think Shohei's pitching tonight. (sighs) Playing the Astros again. I feel like they just played the Astros like last week, didn't they? They just played the Astros? No, they played Texans last week. Texas? Whatever. You're right. They did play Texas last week because that was the the game where Joe Madden walked someone with the bases loaded. That was funny. Yes. And they won the it worked anyway. out. It worked out. Well, yeah. It worked. I wouldn't say that was part of the master plan, but whatever. It were, It looked cool afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um, but I've been watching things lately. What have you been watching? Well, I'm still keeping up on... Uh, Moon something something? Moon Knight. Yeah. There you go. Actually, as soon as we get off this, I got to go watch episode four. came out today. It's a was, Wednesday release? It's a Wednesday release, yeah. yeah. I it comes out like, like Wednesday at midnight. So technically, I could have watched it like this uh, morning. But well, You have to do this and then play Fortnite and then you can watch it. Yes. There you go. Uh, so I'll be watching that later. I've heard episode four is really good. So Has there been a bad episode? Not bad. Just uh, it, it like most of the Marvel shows, it starts off a little slow and then it gets progressively better as it goes. So I've heard... I mean, out of the four episodes so far, th- this one is the best, apparently, episode four. So Cool. We shall see. Um, but also, there was a new series that came out on Amazon Prime a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it might be last week. Even. Was, it, was it last Friday? I think they dropped two episodes at once. Uh, it's a weekly drop every Friday, so I have to wait till this Friday to see episode three. But so far, I've watched the first two episodes of a new Amazon Prime show called Outer Range. Okay. It's a sci-fi western i guess you call it like it's a western setting like modern day on a ranch in like wyoming or something i think and uh uh stars josh brolin who's that and thanos who's from, that oh my gosh never mind no country for old man how about that which one I mean, which one which person no. in that movie oh the main one llewellyn the rancher not not the bad guy and not oh, Tommy Lee jones's character oh there's see only, i don't forget only, like the, three main characters i know and i don't remember that oh, one gosh, i remember the other two going back to my point doesn't matter who's in it josh brolin is the main actor there's a lot of other recognizable actors in there too it's got a good cast but uh yeah so so far the first two episodes are really good um first episode i would say they're i think they're like you know 50 minute episodes or whatever so if you watch the first one and it, it doesn't catch your interest then you're not gonna like the Bounce. second one either right I think you will like it after the first one. And the second one ends on a really good cliffhanger. So looking forward to this Friday when episode three drops. How do you like this current trend of going back to weekly episodic releases <laughs> for streamed content? I don't, I don't mind because I'm not a binge person anyways. Yeah, see, I, I am. I know a lot of people don't like the weekly release stuff. 
um, I don't mind it either because then like, if I miss it one week or if I'm busy or something, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, well, then I can just watch it like, you know, a couple of days later. I'm not worried about missing anything. Yeah, or being spoiled on it on Twitter or social yeah. media or around the water cooler or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense to me. It's just funny how we're moving back to that time. So, yeah, we have a couple of emails here, don't we? Do you remember the topic from last week? It was about sports stuff, wasn't it? Like sports, <laughs> sports me- stuff. memorable sport memories? Yep. Like something like that? Yeah. Yep. All right. So the first email we got here is from Jordan. And he says, I have a pretty unique sports moment experience that I was too young to actually remember, but I was in the Sky Dome for game <laughs> six of the 1992 World Series. Oh, cool. That's awesome. The actual game was in Atlanta, but they opened the Sky Dome up to Jays fans who wanted to watch the game on the big screen and get the, that big audience vibe. The entrance oh. fee was a non-perishable food item. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can we go back to that, please? I know, right? Go back to the 90s. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and he says, as for experiences that I actually remember, uh, May 5th, 2016. Catherine and I went to see a Jays game. Jays won 12-2. Then we walked over to Jurassic Park mm. and watched the end of game two of the playoffs with thousands of fans outside. The oh, ener- cool. The energy in Toronto that night was unbelievable. That's great. That's Especially now, if you go now, and you got all the dinosaurs everywhere, that's pretty funny. I know, right? <laughs> it's also nice to think about these memories like pre-COVID. When you're I know, right? When you're of people. Yeah. Like, but, yeah that's, that's cool. That's awesome. I and then you married that. her. Life is good. There you go. <laughs> Life is good. Thanks for the email, Jordan. Appreciate that. And an email from our, another one of our regulars, Daniel. So he says, hello all. There is one thing I wish I would have been able to have seen live, mm. and that would have been the 2005 National Championship game between Texas and USC. Football. Case oh, I was going to say <laughs> Texas. Yeah. Yes. He says, a game I did watch, but is still regarded as one of the top college football games of all time. Really? Secondly, Tyler, you talked about the 10-point game for Daryl Sittler. Right, the, the Leafs player I yes, last week? Yes, yes. Dan says, funny story about that is my aunt was actually at that game. Wow. Lucky aunt. That's awesome. You never know. Like, it's just the most random thing. Anybody could be there for it. You just happen to be that day. I just never happen to be that person. I'm the opposite. I, just like my fantasy team, I'm not allowed drafting any more Jays because I got Danny Jansen hurt and I got Oscar Hernandez hurt because they're both on my team. So yeah, you're never I'm allowed. You're never allowed to draft Vladdy. No, no, I'm not allowed to draft any more Blue Jays. So I'm and very probably sorry. Probably the only reason why Shohei's still alive this year is so you didn't draft him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gave CPR to his bat and now he's good again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the email, Dan. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, so uh, tonight's topic is going to be movie related. And on that topic... Would you like to go see a movie? <laughs> I did go to the movies last night. You did. I didn't tell you what I saw yet. I have no idea. When I got home last night, I asked you, do you want me to tell you now or do you want me to tell you tomorrow on the podcast? And you said, wait till tomorrow. I did, yes. This is a fact. So, I... I and I, I went to the movies with my mom last night. I said to my mom, hey, you want to come see a movie with me? She's like, sure. I was going to go see it by myself regardless, but I thought, no, she, she might like it. I'll ask her to tag along. So <laughs> it's a very unique experience. Um, so it's a movie that I, it's a rare experience for me because I went into this movie fairly blind. Oh, that happens like once every When I say fairly moon. blind, I mean my only real exposure to this movie was, was the title. Well, no, I, I, saw, <laughs> like, I saw a trailer for it, yeah. but even the trailer didn't give much away. I didn't read any pre-reviews on it. I knew it, it was reviewing amazingly across the board. It's got like hmm. a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. But I, I was avoiding spoilers. I was avoiding anything on Wikipedia. Uh, and yeah, so I just wanted to go into this sort of as blind as possible. Right. Uh, and not buy into the hype too much. Okay. So the movie is called, it's a long run on title. It's called mm-hmm. Ev- Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Sounds like a book title. 
Kind of, right? Yeah. Is it, it adapted? It's okay. It, it's not. Um, Everything, everywhere, all at once? Yeah. Okay. So it is a film. I don't... If you watch the trailer, it, it kind of gives off like indie film vibes. But uh-huh. based on the budget, I wouldn't call it an indie. It had fairly yeah, like a twenty-five million budget, which is Oof, decent. That sounds like actors. Now, it's published by like a, a studio that is known for doing great, like small, mid-budget films that just always um, are critically raved. Okay. Like, they they, they, they the, have stu- like... the studio never misses. Like right. everything they do is is dynamite. Nice. And, th- and this was this movie is no exception. This movie, I'm not gonna get into spoilers on this because I really I do don't even know the premise. I'm not, even, I'm not really going to tell you the premise. Oh I really gosh. am encouraging everybody to just go in blind to this film like I did. I do that every film. I know. <laughs> Funny. But let me just say this film experience that I saw last night, and I don't use that word loosely. When I see movies, I don't always come out of it and say, that was an experience. I usually say, yeah, that was good, or that's what I expected, or maybe it didn't live up to the hype, etc. But this film surprised me in so many ways that I can't even describe. It's probably one of my favorite film experiences of my life. And, and I don't even get a premise. Like I have no idea. I'll give you even, a very basic premise. Please, something. It is a film about an Asian American family uh, that own a laundromat, a failing laundromat. The movie basically opens with them going to the IRS because they're they have tax issues, mm-hmm. and um, so the yeah, it's, it's a family. It's a husband, a wife, and a teenage daughter, um, and and the the wife's father is visiting from China. So you have the whole family that you have the whole family dynamic going on, and it's 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 a it's a broken family. Like the very early on in the film, the husband is uh, has like divorce papers that he wants to give to the wife, but she doesn't have like the film makes it clear at the beginning she's so busy like with the laundromat and everything else going on, she doesn't really have time for her husband. He's trying to get show her the divorce papers, but he can't <laughs> find the right time. So. Right. And then, like I said, it, it all comes to a head when they go to this IRS meeting at the beginning of the film, and then from there the movie just kicks into this. I'm not even, like I said, I really don't want to spoil it. it. The movie starts off like a fairly straightforward family drama. Right. And it quickly takes a turn into sci-fi territory. Okay. And multiverse and all this other stuff going what? on. Multiple dimensions and universes. And uh, the main the main actress, Michelle Yeoh. I don't know if it's... I think it's pronounced Yeoh. It's Y-E-O-W, Y-E-O-H. I'm sorry, but I think it's not Yeoh. I think it's Yeoh. Okay. Michelle Yeoh. She's, she's a great actress. She's been around for decades. Like, I remember her back in uh, Damn Light appreciate this i think he's seen this bond film i have, I have a fond memories of this bond film i'm not sure if dan does but uh, the second pierce brosnan film tomorrow never dies mm. came out in 1997 she your waifu uh she well she was in the film mm-hmm. yeah um because she's got kind of a martial arts background like she mm. was in crouching tiger hidden dragon as well okay cool and so like she speaks fluent english perfectly right. well um but yeah she and she uh, like i said so I knew from the trailers and stuff that she was in this film. She's the main, she's the protagonist. She's the main character. She's on screen for ninety eight percent of the film. Let's wow. say she carries it for sure. Um, but the whole cast did a great job. Um, and yeah, like I said, this movie just it made me laugh. Uh, it the the action scenes were amazing in it. Uh, it made me cry a couple times. The end. Every family member gets their own moment with her, like between her and her husband, and her the conflict between her and her daughter, and, and her and her dad, her history with her and her mm. father. They all have their own family issues going on. But honestly, I was in a. It was a full theater. I might say full. I mean, it was a small theater, but there's probably like fifty people or so in there, and everybody, the audience loved it. It was one of my favorite film experiences too. Like the, the whole audience was respectful. Everybody laughed at the oh, right good. jokes, and it just. It was. I don't know. I came out. I, it's very rare for me too to come out of a film. And the film was about two hours, let's say it was. So, and there was, I'm not saying that because there was any pacing issues or anything. I'm just saying it's not like a three-hour film like most things nowadays. Or, mm, true. 
in but for a long haul. It, it, it never felt like it dragged at all. I loved the whole film. I came out of the film immediately, and I thought to myself, I would, if I were seeing this by myself right now, I'd probably go right back out to the lobby, buy another ticket, and go see it again. Like, right after I got out of it. But you went with your mom. Yeah. And what did your mom think of it? She thought it was weird. But, <laughs> but I, that would be, if I brought anybody into this film blind, I would be shocked if they came out of it not thinking it was weird. But she didn't like it. What? But she didn't like it. It was. It's. I think she could probably expect it at the beginning of the with the first the way the first ten to fifteen minutes of the film goes. I think she expected to be a more straightforward family drama with a little bit of like dark comedy in there. Right. And then it quickly took that turn into like the sci-fi territory and like a lot of martial arts and stuff. She's kind of like I can see her looking at me in the CPM like what what are we watching? You know, just like just you know, it'll be good. So no, I would I like it then? I think you would. Mm, you know, my bar is very high. I know. <laughs> The Maybe film, absurdly the film high. does have some subtitles at the be- beginning that I would have to read My to you, but, but they drop that within the first 10 minutes. Because mm-hmm. they mostly just speak in, I assume it's Mandarin, when they're like around yeah. the house in, in their apartment mm. about the laundromat or whatever. Once they get to the IRS office and everything, it's all English from there on. So. Mm. But no, honestly, it was just, I was, was amazed. And honestly, too, visually, it is one of the most imaginative films I've ever seen. Like, oh, wow. The way they shot this thing, especially on this budget. And they're fairly new directors. It's two guys, like two friends that directed this together. And they okay. did another film before this that I haven't seen, but I heard was also really good. But they're not like, you know, established filmmakers of like dozens of films under their belt. Like there are right. younger guys that are, like I said, they, they obviously have a lot of confidence in what they, what they did with this film. And it was just, I love the editing. I love all the montages. And I, again, I'm not going to spoil any. I just, I really want to encourage anybody listening to go and see this. It don't, sounds don't, like don't it has wa- everything. Don't even watch a trailer. Like, no, it literally has everything. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. I, mean, I, I haven't laughed so much in a film. Really? Um, the, there's absurd humor. It there's... can't be funnier than uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Well, that's different. I mean... That's it, funny. Yes, I agree. But I don't know. I And I know the problem is I'm really hyping this up. Now anybody else is going to want to go see it. They're going to go in with like super expectations. They're going to think Tyler's crazy. What the heck is he talking about? But... Honestly, like whether you see it in theaters now or wait a few months when it ends up on some kind of streaming service, that's fine. But I really think at some point everybody needs to see this film. When did it come out in theaters? Uh, it came out here, like in, in our part of Canada, yeah. two weeks ago, I think. So it's probably like a couple weeks left before everything yeah, eaten by Doctor Strange. Yeah, I theaters much longer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll eventually get bumped for, for bigger films. But mm-hmm. if you get a chance to go see it now, trust me. I think I'll read the title. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's, yeah, I I want to read that book. Tra- if you want to check out a trailer, that's fine. Just so you can kind of get a taste. But the trailer doesn't give that much away either. Um, but really, I just, I, I don't know. And this came out of left field. Like, you hadn't heard of it until it was out? Like, I think I saw a trailer for it at some point last year. Mm. But then it wasn't until, like, when it like I said, when it got sort of a wide release in North America mm-hmm. recently. And I heard everybody hyping it up online. I'm just like, oh, my. Like, everybody's talking about how this is, like, one of the best. I mean, again, we're only in April of this year. But everybody's like, already saying, oh, it's one of the best films of the year. And I hope it gets nominated for awards next year. I'm like, wow, that's okay. I mean, yeah, I'll check it out. And I'm glad I did. And I would love to see it again. I don't know. My, what's, my movie of the year right now is Ron's Gone Wrong. Technically, came out last year. I know, but I watched it this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't seen the Batman yet either, so. I don't plan to watch the Batman. You will watch the Batman. I don't plan to watch the you Batman. You're going to watch the Batman. Oh, I have one month of your Crave subscription. Well, now 28 days of your Crave subscription to watch it. Okay, so I can watch it 28 more days until the subscription's up then. <laughs> but now be, we have Paramount Plus subscription the, that you forgot to cancel. So I did now cancel I, it. I did cancel it. Yeah, so we still have the month well, you, left. You still have it until May 13th. Yeah, so I have South Park to watch, I think. Fine, I'll watch South Park then. Yeah, and not Batman. Okay. Like, you, you can listen to me watch Batman. I I did listen to the other day. Easter Monday was spent with me listening to Batman. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Sounds like a good Easter Monday to me. Ah, you know what? Forget you. So, <laughs> so with me 
obviously riding the high professing my love for that film yeah let's go into the topic tonight which is going to be movie related mm-hmm. and i want to talk about and i have my own list here obviously but i can get, I'll get your own input um you have to obviously do this off the top of your head because i can give you a heads up on you the topic do. but yeah well i'm getting more organic answers out of you that way yeah but sometimes i feel bad after the episode's done it's like i should have had this and this and this and then i feel super bad and i have to make edits and it's like oh well, never mind this topic really is more for me because i'm much more of a movie person yes. than you are. we all know that but yes i want to talk about some of your most memorable movie experiences doesn't have to be in a theater could be something you watch at home for the first time could be you know at a drive-in could be in a movie theater it could be if anybody's heard of it, like a film festival before or anything but whatever doesn't matter it could be any so like i guess i have a specific list here of and <laughs> what i have one you have one yeah okay you started go ahead okay one of my film experiences yeah. Like of you me can, going like, to the like movies. You, like you, can, you can shout out a specific scene from a film that stuck with you and watched. Oh, no. I know. Whether you liked the audience, that interaction, or whatever it was. I enjoyed watching Transformers with Tyler. And why is that? Because it was our first date. Uh-huh. And I fell asleep. Uh-huh. And I left my fries in the car. And he got lost on the way to the theater. And we missed Shrek 3 because of it. And me getting lost had nothing to do with the <laughs> film experience itself. It, it did. It made us miss Shrek 3. Maybe that was a blessing. <laughs> I, did. I don't remember anything about that film. Um, and that's that's that was my first one that popped into my head. Now you can go while I think of more. <laughs> so I didn't uh, put these in any particular order. I just sort of like made a list on I my I should have said it was drive-in. I should have said it was a drive-in movie. Yeah, it was at the drive-in. Yep. Yes, there we go. Sorry. So uh, there will be light spoilers. Well, maybe not so light. I, if, if I get to a specific movie that I, is more recent, I will mention... I'll give you guys a little briefer. That's going to be a spoiler before we proceed so that you can skip ahead. Some of these movies are old, some are newer. So, anyways. Uh, so, the first one I got on the list here uh, is one of my favorite movies of all time. I did see it in theaters. and But no matter how many times I watch this film, this scene always sticks with me. And it's from the film Collateral. Tom is Cruise, it the Jamie Foxx movie. Okay. Okay. So there is a scene. This isn't much of a spoiler for those that are wondering, by the way. The movie came out almost 20 years ago. If you haven't seen it oh by gosh, now, go see old? it. <clears throat> but um, there is a scene maybe midway, two-thirds through the movie um, where so Jamie Foxx is the, I guess you call him the protagonist of the film. He's driving the cab. Tom Cruise is the passenger in the back. Vincent, he's the hitman who's been driving around killing people. Well, being driven around to kill people all night as an assassin. Anyways, there is a scene in the film where they stop in the middle of the road and a coyote runs past yes. the car and then and the one of the best pieces of music in the film too is they play the the audio slave song uh sh- oh, shadow shadow yes. of the sun or shadow on the sun Ooh, sh- it must tell, be of it sounds like a shadow of the sun yeah but um there's just like this minute and a half sequence where the song kicks in and then it just shows like Tom Cruise staring at the coyote as they him and Jimmy Fox are both just staring at this coyote as it runs past their car and there's and then they sort of drive on slowly. There, it's a. I'm not explaining why it's such a pivotal scene in the film for me, but it's just something that always has stuck with me visually, because it's one of the few moments in that film where you get a little bit of downtime, where these characters aren't yelling or arguing with each other. And the film, I've seen so many different theories about this scene online. You did about what the, what the about what the scene means, because the, the director doesn't come out and specifically say. Even I even watched the director's commentary on this film, and he didn't specifically say what that scene meant. But everybody has their own interpretation. Of what it means, because mostly the film focuses on Tom Cruise's eyes throughout the scene and what he's internally thinking about this sequence. And it just—I don't know—it's just the music and the the way that the, the scene right in the middle of, the, of this intense film, we get this 
poignant moment of just introspection. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's always stuck with me. One of my favorite. I can see this, the whole theater just being dead silent. Oh, yeah. No, it was fantastic. Yeah. Such a good scene. Shifting gears to something a little more mainstream, I guess. Uh, the Dark Knight. Uh-huh. I mean, again, I'm not going to bother saying spoilers. If you haven't seen The Dark Knight by now, like, what the heck? I mean, come on. It's. I remember we were in the theater. I remember playing Mario Kart beforehand with people in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember I fell asleep. Um, but then I remember the pencil scene. Um, yep. And then the, everybody was cheering. And then I woke up. And I was re- I was ready for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Got a quick nap in there. So, again, this is sort of midway through The Dark Knight. Uh, my scene that I want to shout out that I always enjoy rewatching, and it really stuck with me on the first viewing especially. I think the whole theater really reacted well to this scene is that the part in the middle when Batman's interrogating the Joker. Where is it? Or is she? Is it where is she in this one? Where is she? Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Where is she? But you remember the scene? You remember I talked about like when Joker's kind of like taunting Batman and about... And he's beating the crap out of him in the right. jail. Yeah, so he's no, throwing, throwing, throwing Joker against the glass. But it's going back and forth between where she is, isn't it? Well, after that scene, it's okay. when kind of they do the editing. But I just love how, yeah, so Batman, with all his rage, starts throwing Joker around this room, smashing his head off the glass and yeah. punching him. And when he lands this the one punch in Joker, Heath Ledger does such an amazing job. He just lets out that laugh, that awesome yeah. Joker laugh where he just, like, he's getting the crap kicked out of him. And he's just laughing at Batman's face. And it's... And the thing I love about that, too, is I've seen a lot of this stuff behind the scenes, too, is that, like, in that scene, Ledger told Christian Bale to hit him. really punch him. To actually punch him in the face yeah. as hard as he could. Yeah. And I just love that he went there for that role. You oh, know yeah. What I mean? And we all know, obviously, it ended in tragedy. Yes. Ledger dying because of the, the role, essentially. But, I mean, that's how he went out. That's his legacy, right? And he it's one of the best film performances. Not, in, not just in a comic movie, in any kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But that specific scene, just... The whole movie. Everything about Joker. Obviously, the whole film has shown Joker to be smart, but I love that he's just taking this beating from Batman. He knows he, he, like, they see, he, he says specifically to Batman, he's like, there's nothing you can threaten me with. He's like, nothing to do mm. with all your strength. He's saying, Christian Bale just gets so frustrated for trying mm-hmm. to choke him. And then mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. I love that. It's it's one of my favorite interpretations of Joker in any. That's in why any I have a hard time watching any other Joker movie. Same with any other Riddler movie. Well, you have to separate it from. I, it's hard. I, know, I can't I know it's do hard. it He's as easily as you. Impression on the role, but, like right. Walking Phoenix came close. Uh, I will not watch the new Batman because of the new Riddler. I don't want my the old Riddler tarnished. Well, we while we're on the topic of Batman, since we just mentioned the Dark Knight, I might as well talk about the new Batman film. And again, that was recent. They stuck with you that much. Oh yeah, but cause I, cause I honestly think these are going to be two of my favorite scenes these like these two scenes i'm going to mention very briefly will hold up i think 10 20 years from now wow um so first off these are very minor spoilers i'm not getting any details here about the film the, the film basically opens within the first five minutes with robert pattinson doing a monologue he does uh the scene opens with a riddler sequence and then basically just shows like you know well yeah pattinson does like a little monologue but it's there's never been a batman monologue really in film before mm-hmm. it's been done in the, com- in the, the comics and in the, like the animated movies and stuff but never on a in any of like the michael keaton christian bale mm-hmm. ben affleck stuff. they haven't really done monologues about man and i think not only does is pattinson's voice amazing the way he reads these lines but it just i, I love the first 10 minutes of the batman film it really sucks you into this movie and just how dark gotham feels and 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 how batman feels like a presence I'm not doing it justice to see the film, but anybody who's seen it knows what I'm talking about those first 10 minutes. But also in that film, The Batmobile. Oh, my God. <laughs> Batmobile was only in this film for like four or five minutes, but it is amazing. Cooler than Christian Bale's Batmobile? Oh, way better. 
Way How better. So? I can't. I, you have to see it. I'm not. Mm. Dan knows what I'm talking about. When we saw this thing in the IMAX theater, that thing was shaking. <laughs> the, like the sequence is it's filmed so good with the cinematography and the but i can hear the other batman the batmobile like i can hear it revving up and getting right like this I, one is better oh me. i don't yeah. know i don't know all right well as long as i was gonna say about that one all right let's go let's go back a bit and let's go back uh it was 20 well, now it's 23 23 years i think yeah the the original matrix from 1999 i don't know if it's in theaters whether you saw it in theaters or at home, I think anybody's first ex- first viewing experience of that film, if you saw it at the, I mean, if you saw it nowadays, maybe you wouldn't think it's as special. But if you, when you saw the thing back in 1999, it was a special film. Loved it back then. And it still holds up today, I think, amazingly. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's the best of any of the Matrix films. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it was it was parodied and ripped off in so many other films over True. the last two decades with all the... I remember the opening scene, like, the back of my hand. Yeah. Like, I love Trinity's opening scene. Yeah, it's a role that I mean, I would say prior to John Wick, it was the role Keanu was made for. Like he mm, was Neo. True. Some people might still prefer his Matrix stuff over the John Wick film. Uh, yeah, I think it it started his typecasting. <laughs> but no, I I think there there's so many scenes. I, I'm not even pointing to one. I'm just saying the entirety of the original Matrix was one of my favorite viewing experiences. And yeah, the whole movie was just cool. Yeah. Super cool. Came out at the right time too for my mm. age, I think. Like, yeah, if you watch it, if you're watching it as like a 25, 30 year old back in the ni- 1999, you probably think, yeah, that's a pretty cool film. But I don't know, watching it as like a 12, 13 year old, I think that was like the coolest film ever back then. <laughs> <laughs> Going forward a couple of years, I think this was, I want to say 2003, a few years ahead. I like the I like the original Lord of the Rings films, like the original oh my trilogy. Gosh, are you going to copy everything? I was I had the oh, I had a Lord of the Rings one in my head. But if I'm going to show one specific film, one specific sequence, it's going to be from the two towers. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the Battle of Helm's mm-hmm. Deep. That scene yes. still holds up today. So 20 years later. Good. Almost, yeah. Best rewatch we'll Watching see that in the Watching that was amazing. Yep. Seeing all the orcs just like yep. ready to storm the gates. Yep. And, oh, that whole sequence was just amazing. Where I fell in love with Legolas. Yeah. Chills for that in theaters. So good. Yeah. So good. I'll give an animated shout out here since there's not many anime. Actually, I shouldn't say it. many. This is the only animated film on my list. But if I was going to pick any one Pixar film or oh, moment. Okay. Trying to get into Up. <laughs> right. <laughs> that yeah. was a nightmare. <laughs> I know. But I am going to talk about Up. And specifically, you know what I'm talking about. That sequence at the beginning. Oh, for sure. Between Carl and Ellie. Um, yeah. It is one of the most amazing animated sequences I've ever seen. And it really respects... I mean, obviously, kids aren't going to get the full context of the situation, but for the adults, it did a great job of conveying something so profound in a short, like, two-minute sequence with no dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, Wally, the first bit of that movie is n- not spoken. Right, yeah. Where they, th- where that's how you got most emotion was from Wally. But, but again, that, there you're talking about a robot. I mean, here we're talking that's about... That's true. Like, we're but it's another it, unspoken scene it is. where yeah. emotion is brought across. Like, Pixar used to be ace at this. Mm. I don't like Pixar movies nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's rare to have a, an animated film make you basically cry within the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. without any dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just conveying in a short two-minute montage how a couple goes from being kids to being fully grown adults and then one of them passing away well also the not being able to have children yeah, stuff like that too it's exactly. just like wow all that happened in like two minutes <laughs> no it's that sequence will always be one of the best things animated that's ever happened. Well, it took us what four theater visits to watch that movie eventually anyways <laughs> know, right? goodness gracious uh let's go back to well i guess the oldest film on my list um the original jurassic park from 1993 oh yeah no that's all you boy not only, not only for me seeing this in theaters as a six-year-old, <laughs> probably, 
wanting to crap my pants at the yeah, time. Yeah, no kidding. But even watching it nowadays, whether you're watching it at home, like on your 4K TV, or even they've re-released it in theaters in the last few years, they brought mm-hmm. it back. But I still say the that the scene where you see the T-Rex for the first time mm-hmm. is one of the greatest scenes of anything ever, in my <laughs> opinion. Like, no, like, honestly, because it's, it's, the movie's 30, almost 30 years old at this point, and that scene still holds up tremendously cause, because A, they didn't use CGI. It was all practical effects, the animatronics with the T-Rex. But also that whole that whole four or five minute sequence when the T Rex breaks through the gate and like cause there, there's no music there's just the silence for most of the scenes you have the they're stuck in the cars T Rex breaks through the gate uh, the kids are trying to turn the flashlight off the T Rex is smashing the cars up and you got the parent or the adult sitting in the other car just watching this all unfold <laughs> mm-hmm. and knowing they can't do anything because there's a freaking T Rex mm-hmm. in front of them and it's just that whole sequence was masterful filmmaking by Spielberg it's one of the best things he's ever done. I think the only time I ever, not ever, but the only time I can remember being shocked mm-hmm. and awed by watching a scene was watching Optimus Prime transform in Transformers. Yeah, like that brought up your inner child, right? Yeah. That scene was epic. That, but just watching like every single piece move yep. into this, like just him. Oh, it's, it's still some of the best like, CGI oh you've ever seen in the Transformers. So yeah. good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was a beauty experience too. The original Transformers. Yeah. Only the original one though. They got I worse know. after that, unfortunately. Yep. But. We don't talk about robot heaven. <laughs> um, one of my favorite—I like almost all of Tarantino's films. One of my favorite films of his, though, is *Inglorious Bastards*. Mm. Specifically, the whole opening sequence. Let's say the first fifteen minutes of the film, where you meet Christoph Waltz's character, mm-hmm. the, the Nazi Hans Landa. His whole sequence—he has this like ten-minute. Um, no, I'm gonna call it a monologue. A ten minute interaction with like a farmer at the beginning of the film with a French oh, farmer. Is that where he's trying to like get the hiding people in the basement yeah. kind of thing? Okay, yeah. that's where I thought you were going in. That because not only was that scene my introduction to Christoph Waltz as an actor, because he had mostly mm. just done German cinema before yeah. this film. Not only did Tarantino put him on the map, but that whole sequence, you're like in the theater, you're like holding your breath. And yeah. it's all sub well, I shouldn't say all. Most of it is subtitled, and eventually Christoph does switch from speaking French to speaking English with the farmer. Yeah. But even I don't know. Right. I, I'm, that's the only scene I've watched from that movie, and it, yeah. it is intense. It is. Like I could, I I could see myself like just listening. It's it's one of the best things. Sh- it's one of the best things Tarantino's ever written. It's one of the best acted sequences I've ever seen, especially from Christoph Waltz. And yeah, the tension is off the yeah, chart. It, especially the tension you, sucks. Especially you when in. you realize that he's hiding the, hiding the Jewish family beneath the floorboards. Yep. And you know that the Nazi that, that he knows he knows that they're there. Yeah. He's just playing with the farmer, yeah. and trying to get him to eventually crack. Yeah. But. Yeah, watching that in theaters was amazing, and that would be one of my seat. favorite sequences of his ever. Of mm-hmm. Tarantino's. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to another film that I wish I had seen in theaters back when it came out. I mean, I might have been a little young at the time; I would have been eleven, maybe to see something like this. But so um, Jurassic Park, I don't know what. <laughs> well, um, but I, I did see it eventually on like VHS and I guess DVD years years later, and it stuck with me. But um, another Spielberg film, I'm going to give a shout out to here, but Saving Private Ryan. Specifically, the not the opening opening, but because it takes maybe 10, 15 minutes to get to the to the actual war sequence. But when it's a it's one of the most iconic war sequences in film. I mean, I mean, I want to say only it came out about twenty five years ago, almost at this point. But when they storm Normandy Beach, like D Day, World War Two, the way Spielberg shot that whole sequence with the U.S. soldiers landing on the beach and trying to take it from the from the, the Germans, it, it still holds up today as one of the best shot war sequences I've ever seen at the time I can only imagine how crazy like I, I mm. remember reading re- reading interviews and like or reading articles about like soldiers who had survived World War II watching this in the theater and being like 
he nailed it. Like Spielberg nailed what it felt like to be on that beach that day. The terror these kids felt, like just knowing, like you're just as soon as like the boats land on the beach and open up and they just start getting bombarded by gunfire, like you're dead before you even get off the boat. Mm. Then you have to manage to get off. You're trying not to drown in the water before you get mm. to the beach. Then you're trying to get the cover on the beach while the you know, Germans are shooting at you from behind cover, behind mounted machine guns and everything. And just like Spielberg didn't skimp on the gore at all in this sequence. You mm. got soldiers dying on the beach, crying out for the moms. You got guys getting limbs blown off. And it's just like, it's one of the most violent war sequences you'll ever see. But again, by all accounts from soldiers who had been there that day, they said that he nailed the historical accuracy of it and he made you feel better than Medal of Honor. Well, yeah, that, was, that was one of the video games that got it right. But no. I mean, it's, and it's a great film, and Saving Private Ryan is a great film in general, but that specific, and it's a long sequence, too. By the time they land on the beach to win, like, the action sequence is over on the beach, probably like a good 15, 20 minutes. Like, it's a long sequence, but, yeah. I remember seeing that, like, when I saw that on, like I said, at home for the first time as, mm-hmm. like, a, probably a teenager. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, it's all, it's like, it's, it's not even, like, you want to appreciate how well shot the action is, like, you know. You don't even think it's, at that point, though, it's, it's hard to think that wow this was real life right yeah. like those kind of scenes after you watch the movie or after you watch it you're like holy crap this actually happened mm-hmm. like that's just it's shocking all right i'm gonna have a couple more i only got two more here and then we're done i got two more very recent examples for films and now these are big films so i wouldn't think these are gonna be spoilers like well they are big spoilers film. but my point is you should have seen these films by now but I still <laughs> have i i don't know well so i mean and I will mention, okay, so the first one is Avengers Endgame. Oh, haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> but I heard you listening to it the other day. So if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame yet, for some reason, go ahead and skip ahead on this. But I really, it's a minor spoiler here because I'm not, it's, well, it's towards the end of the film. So I guess maybe it's not such a minor spoiler, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it, it's one of my favorite theater experiences. And again, it's only happened, like, what was it? When did Avengers Endgame come out? Four years ago or something like that? four-ish, yeah. yeah. But. It's a great theater experience. Like oh, it definitely was. Everybody's like, there. Like, my theater went nuts. Yeah near the end when the Avengers all like when uh, Captain America is ready to fight Thanos mm-hmm. and he thinks he's all by himself and then all of a sudden like uh, uh, Doctor Strange comes back with the portals and brings everybody else back like all the people that had yeah. died in yeah. Infinity War all came back and they all get their heroic moments they're all coming back one at a time you got Spider-Man coming back and Black Panther and and uh, like Scarlet Witch and everybody else right and and then, and then you know, uh, Captain America gets to say the iconic line, you know, like, Avengers, assemble. And then they all do their battle cry and then run it. And then the music, that epic Avengers score kicks in. Yeah. And theater is my theater went nuts when it happened. <laughs> it was one of the coolest. And I was just sitting there getting goosebumps. I'm like, it's yeah. just such a... If you had watched all the Marvel films up to that point, like going all the way back to like yeah. 2008 when Iron Man came out, mm-hmm. every Marvel film leading up to that moment, you just knew how epic it was. And you're never yeah. going to see something like that ever again because no... I don't see any other company ever doing something like this again where they're going to take a decade to get all these superheroes together. Have yeah, to... like what other property is big enough to do that? That's exactly. Like, unless they fix Star Wars somehow and like mm-hmm. reboot that. And... But, no, but this, even... this was a once in like yeah. a lifetime opportunity and they nailed it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, last spoiler here, my last film I should talk about, I should say, um, being a Bond fan, I have to obviously give it a shout out. So you can't spoil the new movie. I well, I'm saying I'm saying it right now. There's a spoiler. Skip ahead now if you don't want to know the spoiler for No Time to Die. Ready? I already know the spoiler. You may be watching. Well, I know. I'm just saying for anybody else that is listening and doesn't want to know, that hasn't seen No Time to Die yet. Tyler cries a lot in this movie. I mean, they freaking killed James Bond. They He's not him. dead. They're gonna they're gonna Jason Bourne him. I, I it would not surprise me if they work around it somehow. But I'm just saying they, that the fact that after. 
25 films in over 50 years of James Bond history, they finally showed a James Bond dying. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they did it so successfully. Like, the ending was amazing. Like, they gave Daniel Craig the proper send-off. Yep. He sold the heck out of the emotion of that sequence. Yep. Like, like, for somebody that's not a Bond fan like me, mm-hmm. I still felt it. Like, as soon as good. he... I knew, like, as soon as he got shot leading up to from when he got, like, injected mm-hmm. with the... the uh, We call it the nanobots or whatever. The, I, can't, I can't remember. That. I don't remember if they had a name <laughs> for the... Nanobots. I don't remember if they had a name for the disease or not. I think they did. Whatever, but, <laughs> um, but even just, like, when he, get, when he gets shot and then when he eventually... Again, spoiler, kills the he kills off the bad guy of the film. Uh shoots him a few times in the head and then uh but as he's just like walking basically towards his death and they show him like kind of bleeding out from his gunshot wounds, like he's mm-hmm. the sort of blood dripping off as he's climbing the staircase. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like he's not gonna make it through this, is he? Like it was finally it was actually sinking into me. I'm like, Are they actually gonna do this and kill off James Bond? And I thought maybe they were gonna have him like bleed out from his wounds, but no, he actually like makes it to the roof of the the building that he was in this this But know, the name of the movie. But the name of the movie doesn't make sense. But no, I mean, they gave him an epic send-off. And again, I think it's the only time, it's the only time you're ever going to see this. I don't see them, whether they decide to reboot James Bond or what they're going to do moving forward with this franchise. They could do I anything. Don't, I, I don't, but I don't see them ever doing this again. They're not going to kill off James no. Bond a second time. I think, I think they take off. it in a different direction. Yes, they will. Like, they, think they could take it in any direction. Like, they can make like five different Bonds at the same time, just different Bonds. But the first time seeing that movie, it blew my mind leaving the theater. I'm like, did they actually kill James Bond? <laughs> Hold on. I got to go, buy another ticket to watch it again just to right? make sure he's dead. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my list of uh, my memorable movie experience. I sure I could have come up with more about it. I mean, this list could have been 50 films long, but I want to stick to the ones that over the last 30 years. Well, I mean, I've only been alive for 33 years, but. Of 33? 34. Sorry. <laughs> I wish I was 33. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Don't you miss the days what? when you went to go? I don't know. You must have done this as a kid, when you went to the theater uh, and saw like the Pokemon movie, and you got a Pokemon card. It was like the best thing ever. You mean like it was part of your as part of your ticket? Like you got a card? Yeah. With the ticket, like a little... And then you would trade them at school. Like, oh, I got Lugia. Who'd you get? Oh, I got Enfy. Okay, do you want to trade? Okay, cool. You didn't do that. I don't remember. Man, that Pokemon Two Thousand was the best. I do remember seeing the Pokemon movies in theaters. I just don't remember if I got a card with it. <gasps> I'll take your word for it. The Fairview Theater always gave away the best cards. Hmm. That was a good theater. I liked going. There I missed that kid. theater. I remember going to see Narnia with my whole class there because we could walk over because our school was so close. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, before we get to the email part, is there anything else you want to mention or you know, you know mm-hmm. top of your head? I like watching Lucas dance in the aisles now. That's about it. <laughs> that's that's my movie going experiences. I don't go to the movies that often. Like, did I even no. go last year? I don't think you did. I don't think well, the year before well, that. Dune. Oh. I saw Dune last year. But, I did. I, yeah. I I but the year before that, the only movie I saw was Hocus Pocus. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I don't go to theaters. So my experiences they're few and far between. And I'm not shocked every time I watch Gilmore Girls because I know what's going to happen. So I don't get shocked very much anymore. All right. Well, I mean, I think the email topic for this week is fairly straightforward based on what we just discussed. Spoil more movies. I want to hear your your most memorable movie moments. Again, whether it was in a theater, could be at home, at a friend's house, whatever it was, anywhere you were. Could have have been something that happened last week. Could have been 20 years ago. Come on. Give me your memorable movies moments. Moviest. (laughs) Moviest. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And what's the email link, Sarah? When opposites react at gmail.com. I usually say that. I know I wanted to wrap today Changing it up Alright well um, That concludes tonight's episode 
I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope if anything, you really want to go check out that film that I mentioned earlier. Everything, everywhere, uh, all at once. Thank you for the name. I needed the name again. Yes, I was like the double E's plus <laughs> all at once. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know what? I I'm I'm still I'm back in movie mode. I was. Not... Oh yeah, you were like cold turkey for a mm-hmm. while there. Yeah. I am all I'm I am all about movies right now. Like I I want to go see. There's a new one coming out this Friday called The Northman. That's like a Viking movie. It sounds like it. Sounds amazing. Valhalla. Yeah. Um. I mean, next month obviously we got Top Gun, which I'm super stoked for. No Doctor Strange. I, I'll see Doctor Strange. I'm not super hyped for it. Hmm. I'm starting to be over the superhero stuff a little bit. Mm, I think Doctor Strange will be good though. It'll be good, but this is from somebody who hasn't seen the first Doctor Strange. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're coming out again. You've done a lot of stuff in the baseball that there's not too much more for you to do before the next uh, round of stuff comes out. So yeah, you're in like a a good oh, zone. I want to go watch Batman again. <sighs> you have the subscription for the rest of the month. Go right ahead. Okay. After you play Fortnite though. Oh, right. Wait, Fortnite. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode tonight. Um, please send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, thanks for all your support, as always. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back at the same time next week. Bye. Bye.